Welcome to Highlight Easter 2017. This is our first ever, and we are excited about it. Thank you all for joining us today. Man, who was at the Easter egg drop yesterday? Show of hands. Was that exciting? Was that amazing? That was so good. We, we, we made history as a church, and they told us we couldn't do it, and we did it, and we did it legally. Don't worry. It was legal. Um, we even had uh, police there. We had security. Uh, and uh, he was taking pictures. I don't know how, how much he was securing the, param- the premises, but he was there. So uh, Officer Daniel, if you see him around the, the city, give him a hello. You probably won't notice him. But um, Hey, welcome to Highlight Easter. Um, we are honored to have you this morning. Um, we're going to have a good morning. God has laid a word on my heart. Uh, and, you know, today is all about the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, at least for those who believe. I'm not going to waste time. Go ahead and join me in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, and uh, if not, we got you on the screen. If you need to use your table of contents, the gospel according to John, the word gospel means good news. Uh, John was one of Jesus's 12 disciples. Um, I'm getting some feedback. Uh, John was one of Jesus's 12 disciples, and uh, he was also one of Christ's top three guys. So Jesus had a 12, but he also had a, a top three who had more access to his life than the normal 12. Um, and so John was one of those guys, and he wrote the gospel according to John, the good news of Jesus Christ according to his experience, according to what he heard. Uh, they say that John's gospel is actually the most unique out of the four. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so you ought to check John's out. Um, John 11, we're going to do 38 through 44. Let's go ahead and dive in right here. It says that Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Goes on to say here, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? You would see God's glory if you believe. How many know that salvation is just based on faith? It's not based on works. It's based on faith. It's not, I have to do this in order to be right with the Father. I believe in Jesus. I receive salvation. Simple as that. Then from that point on, you you walk. You walk with the Lord. But Jesus is talking about something different than than a saving faith. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. And so he goes on to say that, you would see the glory of God. Verse 41. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. I mean, come on, Jesus. Come on. You're born of a virgin. You're God's only begotten son. I mean, if you think you spoil your children, God spoiled Jesus up until the point of the cross. Um, but man, he, there's nothing that God didn't do for Christ. Whenever Jesus commanded something to happen, it, it happened. And the Bible says that Jesus laid down the power of his deity. 
meaning that when Jesus was in the world, even though he was God in the flesh, he laid down his, his rights as God. That tells me that he lived by perfect faith. And because he had perfect faith, he was able to do anything. And so he was amazing. He was the greatest man that ever lived. And it says here, verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. Father, we love you. Get me out of the way. Have your way. Um, you know, if, if we're not careful, I, I believe that we all fall in and out of seasons of just existing, yeah. right? We, we have Monday through Tuesday, um, Wednesday, Thursday, we go, we go to work, we go to school, we see our friends. Um, we, we look forward to Friday because Friday is the day that most of us, you know, we, we get off and we have two days off and we get right back to it on Monday. But I think if we're not careful, we just begin to exist. Um, our prayers are, are the same. Our, our expectations are the same. We, we've stepped out at a certain point in our lives, and, and something didn't work. And a lot of us get stuck in that place where we begin to just exist, to, to just be. And so I think uh, Lazarus here, he dies. We're going to get into the context. We haven't forgot about Lazarus. I have to because it's a long chapter, John chapter 11 is an extremely long chapter. I didn't have time to read us through, but I'm going to cover it here in a few minutes. The Bible tells us that Lazarus died. And I think what happens in life a lot of times is before we die, there are things, there are certain areas in our lives that actually die before we do. Such as our, our aspirations. Um, maybe... Maybe you're 45 or 50 in here today, and you had a dream when you were 21 or 18, and that thing didn't come to pass, and it hasn't lived since. It, what, what happened? It, it died. Maybe you, you tried something once, and, and it died. Maybe there was a relationship that was so good, and, and you couldn't see past it, but it, it just didn't work out the way that you thought it should have or it could have, and it, it died or that person maybe physically passed away. I don't want to make light of death. We've all lost somebody that we love dearly. But what I'm saying is, is that we get caught in the trap oftentimes of just existing. And when, when you, this is, okay, let me, now let me illustrate this. This is me existing. Well, pastor, I don't do that. You may not do it physically, but... You do it spiritually, you do it mentally, you, you stay in that same place, and you just exist. There's a stark contrast between existing and living. Living is proactivity, living is dreaming, living is believing that you've gotten a vision from God, writing it down, praying about it, and working at it until it comes to pass. Living is... Waiting on your husband, waiting on your wife. And if you didn't, there's grace. God can restart that today. But waiting, living is, is waiting. But we define that waiting, our patience is not passivity. Yeah. 
waiting is not allowing things to pass us by. It's actually proactivity. Obey in the delay. Do what's right at night. Get to working when no one is working. That's, that's what you call patience. That's what you call true waiting. Living is looking forward to tomorrow. How many, show of hands, you're looking forward to Monday? Come on now, y'all know. Y'all know y'all lying. Y'all just don't want to exist. So yeah, I'm, I'm part of that living group. Living is looking forward to Monday. I can't, I can't wait to serve my employer. Because maybe in another year or so, I'll receive a promotion. I can't, I can't wait to get up and serve my children. That's living. I'm not saying I always hit the mark. I surely don't. There are some mornings I don't want to get up and see my beautiful baby's face. Because <laughs> he's a part of my existing seasons. I'm a totally different guy at home than I am on the stage. Becca knows and Kyra and those that live with me. Um, living. Living is, is looking forward to tomorrow and looking forward to moving forward. Living a life that God has called you to live, and I believe God has great plans for all of us in here, is a life filled with peace, a life filled with purpose and power that only God can give. And we're going to talk about that today. Some of you are probably wondering, when is he going to talk about Jesus rising from the grave? See, no, that's too easy. I could give you an Easter poem, but we're going to come from a different angle, and we're going to bring it all around for you. We're going to talk about Jesus rising from the grave. And so Lazarus died. Jesus is in another city about three miles away because he's escaping persecution. They want to kill Jesus at this point. And so he's far enough for him and his disciples not to be hurt, but he's close enough just in case he has to return back home and do some work. So the Bible says that they sent messengers to Jesus where he was, and they said, your, your friend, one of your best friends are dying. And if you go and read John chapter 11, it tells us that Jesus waited 48 hours. It's like, okay. All right. And it says he waited for two days. And this speaks of God's sovereignty, the fact that he's in control. God does things on his time, not our time. So he waits. And then he he says, all right, guys, uh, let's go back to Judea. It's 48 hours later. Lazarus has died. He was on. He was on. Uh, life support. He was in ICU. He probably passed away about two hours after Jesus got the message. Jesus heads back home, and um, they arrive, and Martha say, hey, Lord, had you been here, he would have lived. Had you been here, he would have lived, and Jesus's response was this. He said, I am glad that he died for your sake, for today you shall see the glory of God. Some things have to die. Some things have to pass away. Some of your expectations and prayers, they can't be answered. Because God has a greater purpose behind it. He wants to show himself glorious. He wants to show himself powerful and mighty. They have to die. That thing has to pass away in order for him to resuscitate and resurrect it. And so he, you know, we read, if you continue to read, we see where Jesus gets emotional because we serve a God that understands. He is a God of compassion. He is a God of love. This is interesting because in Jesus' day, other gods were worshiped, but they were known for being, they were known for lacking compassion. Just, 
Jesus knows your struggle. In the Bible, in John 11, verse 37, in Bible study today, if you're going to learn anything, John 11, verse 37, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He wept not because, not because Mary and Martha were upset, but because of the power of sin. Romans 3.23 tells us this, for the wages of sin is death. So every time someone or something in your life dies, God's heart breaks because of the impact that sin had, because of what Adam, Adam and Eve did to usher in the power of sin into our lives. Sin means separation. Separation from God's best. And if we die in a life of sin, we end up in a place called hell. It's separation from the life source, who is God. Do we, does that clarify it real quick? Just a little theology one-on-one there. Now we're going to get practical. Are we ready? Are we ready? I believe on Easter Sunday, Jesus is saying that these things, these things that have died in your life, these expectations that have not been met, the visions that you've had, the dreams, um, um, everything that's ever broken you down. I believe that God is going to say this morning that it can live again. It can live again. It can live again. This is what we find out about Lazarus. It can live again. I got three points I want to share this morning. And uh, verse 38 through 39 says this, Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Number one, if it's going to live again, you have to remove the labels. You got to remove the labels. During Jesus' time, stones were um, hewn out of caves, so they were cut into and, and uh, restored and renovated into, into, into tombs. They were in caves and they became tombs. tombs. The, the entryway of a tomb was about four, four feet tall. And so men would have to take dead bodies and kind of duck down and, and put the body on, on, the, on the bed, on the stone bed, be it. And then they would back on out of there. Next, a physician would come in to examine the body to make sure that they were in fact dead. This happened to Jesus Christ as well when he passed away, because you have a lot of theories out there that tells us that, you know, the disciples stole the body and, and burnt it or, or put it into the ocean or that Jesus actually did not die. He got up and he disappeared. You have another theory out there that tells us that Jesus actually lived to 120 years old. He got up, he went to another country, lived, and no one ever found out where he was. There's a lot of theories out there. You ought to research them. They're quite funny. But historically, in this story, we see that a Roman physician would have examined Lazarus's body. And so next, after that, yeah, he's dead. He's pretty dead. All, all of his, all, no, he's dead. All of his organs are gone. He's dead. The next thing that would have happened is that they would have rolled a stone. It would have been square or cork shape. Four and a half feet tall, about two to three tons in weight. So they would have needed a few men to roll this stone in front of the entryway of the graveyard. This stone represented something. Number one, it represented a seal. A seal. A seal that was in the stone. It represented the fact whatever was in the tomb was, in fact, dead. It was dead. This is the seal. And only the Roman authorities could remove this stone. So what in the heck is Jesus doing? Remove the stone. The seal 
is also simultaneously a label. You walk by it, what's inside of that tomb is dead. Whoever's inside of that tomb is dead. We label things, right? We, I mean, even our kitchen, our bathroom, we have our lotion, we have our Cheerios, we have our bread with the expiration date on it. We, we, we have everything, and we see it mold, and we throw it away. And I also believe, once again, in our lives that we've labeled things. We've labeled them dead. We've labeled our relationships dead, at least for this year. We've labeled our finances dead, maybe even subconsciously. Maybe you haven't even really attempted to say that this thing in my life is dead, but you've subconsciously accepted in your mind and in your heart that this thing, this part of my life will not live again. This will never work. This will never be great. Why do I expect this? This is not for me. This is for them. We've labeled it as dead. The Roman authority said, put the stone. Jesus said, remove the stone. The Roman authority said, put the stone. Jesus said, remove the stone. What's the key word here? The Roman authority said, put the stone, put the seal, put the label. Jesus said, put and remove it away. Remove it away. Remove it. I'm thinking of Proverbs 18:21 NLT. It says this here. It says the tongue. <laughs> you labeled it. You labeled it. Jesus didn't label it. <clears throat> Can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You labeled it. You said it was dead. You said there weren't, wasn't any hope. You said you couldn't pass. You said he was the only one. You said she was the only one. I said it. You said it. We said it. They said it. They called me a screw up. They said I wasn't good enough. They labeled me. They labeled you. You labeled them. Proverbs 18:21 message words kill words give life they're either poison or fruit you choose Lazarus is dead do you understand who you're talking to there you go baby boy I don't know any of us that would if Jim Jones was on this stage and he said, hey, here's some purple Kool-Aid. I don't know any of us that would say, yeah, thank you, Jim. You got to research Jim Jones. He was a mess. I don't even know how he just made it in my sermon. That wasn't in my notes. We would take purple Kool-Aid and, and sip it. None of us would choose to partake in poison. But we do it every time we label our lives and our situations. That's okay. You choose. You have to remove the label and place a new label. My children are blessed. I won't die in debt. I won't die in addiction. I won't die bound. I will prosper, not just in finances, but in every area of my life. Remove the label. Remove it and place a new label. Jesus told her, verse uh, John eleven twenty three through 26, point number two. We're going to go back into the part of the Bible I didn't read. Then we're going to come back to, to verse 40. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Skip down to verse 40. Jesus, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Point number two, believing today leads to receiving today. So remove the label and start to believe so you can receive. Jesus, Jesus is very interesting. He's masterful in his approach. He always is. Are there any pros of uh, procrastination in the room? Wow, we got some confessions. Let's make the altar full at the end of service. I'll be right there with you, and someone else will be praying for me. My wife will attest to the fact. My mother is also here. Hey, give it up for my mom and my dad right here. <laughs> Praise God. They made me. They made me. Didn't do too bad. Yeah, pros of procrastination. Um, my wife would attest that. I've gotten better, but my mom, having known me longer, she'll definitely attest to the fact that I tend to procrastinate. Jews in this day believed, in general, that the resurrection was going to occur, but there is no theological basis for which they had. This was a cultural belief. There's nothing in the, in the um, parse, in the uh, Torah, the books of Moses, Genesis, all the way through uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers, that we're going to find any hardcore doctrine about the resurrection of the dead. But culturally, they believe that at the last day, the dead will rise. And so Martha, right now, she is putting off the miracle of God into some time in the future. She's putting it off into the future. And I would say we've fallen into the habit. Some of us here have fallen into the habit of putting great things into some time in the future. We, we've got, we're going to postpone this, this healing. We're going to postpone this part of my life because it's, it's just not going to work right now. She's postponing it. Oh, I got to get into this point because y'all looking at me. Y'all looking at me with blanks. I'm going to get into this point and you're going to believe now. You're going to believe today once I'm done with this point in about five minutes. You're going to believe today so that you can receive today. See, at the age of 19, there was a day that I had to stop playing church. And there was a day that I had to believe. And it was that day that I believed and I cried like a baby on the way to my car. And it was that day that changed my life forever. It was that day that's caused this day. So if you're going to see Lazarus raise, if you're going to see him rise from the grave, you have to believe today. Let's not believe it tomorrow. So let's get back into it. So Jesus, he goes on to say, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I have the power to raise your situation. I have the power to raise your circumstance. And yes, at the last day, I will raise your soul but I'm not showing up here for tomorrow. I'm showing up here for today. He says, but Martha, I got you. I think, I think what Martha is referring to is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. It says here, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. There are people who don't know what's going to happen to them. The Christian does not fear death. And he's going to explain why here. For since we believe that Jesus died and raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And it says, verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. I love this. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Jesus is going to return one day with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who died will rise from their graves. So grandma who believed in Jesus, granddad, dad, uncle, they're going to rise first. So if Jesus comes back today at 12 at noon and you're still alive, you're not going up first. Grandma's going to rise first. Uncle, auntie, they're going to rise first. The Bible doesn't fully explain this, but there's going to be something that happens where the soul, which is in heaven with the Lord right now, because Paul says that as soon as you die, you transfer into heaven. As soon as you die, your last day here is your first day in heaven if you're a believer. To be absent from the Lord is to be absent from the earth is to be present with the Lord. So something happens where the physical remains of your body, be it in the sea, be it in the dust of the earth, be it if you just died yesterday and you still smelling like Lazarus, something's going to happen where your soul meets your body. You're going to rise from the ocean and you're going to take on an incorruptible body, a body that's not laden in sin, a body that's not laden in struggle. There's never going to be any more uh, uh, struggles again. There's never going to be any more worries again. Never going to be any more addiction and, and, and doubt and overly concern. No, never any more mental sickness. When you rise, you're going to be made perfect. Because when Jesus rose, his body was made perfect. They had to kill the original body so that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ could occur. So that our resurrection could occur. I'm going to tell you how bad Jesus was when he rose from the grave. That brother got up, they was having a meeting, they was eating some fish and honey, and he came straight through the wall. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Let's have some breakfast. That's how, that's how bad you're going to be. Your body, you're going to be able to move at the speed of light in heaven. Last week, we said that Jesus is preparing a place for you in heaven. The word place is dwelling place. The word in the Greek is mansions. So God is, oh, she got up front. She want to take, come on, give, give her a hand clap. Because some of y'all sleeping this morning. This is stuff I want to know. Forget all the practical stuff. We got to sometimes teach the Bible. He goes step through, he stepped through a wall. And so we're going to keep reading the scripture. It goes on and it says, Verse 17, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I love the message version. We don't have it. It says we're going to be walking on air when Jesus comes back. Who doesn't want to be saved? You, you want to be? You want to be stuck here? We, we want our, our destinies to be in Hades, aside from the source of life. Who doesn't want to believe in Jesus? What is there this world can offer that's greater than Jesus? This is what I want. And it says here, verse 18, so encourage each other with these things. Look, the resurrection was about Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a perfect 33 years, sinless. It made him the perfect sacrifice of God. He died a sinner's death on the cross, the most embarrassing death anyone could ever die. He received a crown of thorns on his head, a crown that you and I deserved. He received 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails, pierced his kidneys, broke his ribs. They spat on him. 
When he said, I thirst, I can't wait to teach this stuff. When he said, I thirst, they gave him vinegar instead of water. And then he said, after they gave him vinegar, that it is finished. Because that's the last thing that the devil can do to me. Is beat me while I'm down. That's the last thing the devil can do to this body is make you sick, is make you hurt, is make you feel pain. But the resurrection represents the fact that you shall live forever. And so you shall live forever. You shall live forever. Christ died so that you could live forever. So but with all that good news, Jesus wasn't focused on that. With Martha, back to the story. He was focused on today. That, that's coming. That's great, right? Like, I, I know because even me preaching, I felt comfortable. Like, we, oh, my God, I can't wait to die so I can rise. Well, you may live another 40 years. So we got to get back to the story, right? Because that's what the resurrection is about. It's about your present context. Jesus was not focused on the last day. He was focused on that day. He, he's focused on your day today. It doesn't take belief to believe in something one day. It doesn't take faith to believe someday. The word glory means it's Shekinah. It means manifest glory in the present time. So he asked her, she says, he says, do you believe? She says, yeah, I believe on the last day. He says, did I not say that if you believe you would see the glory? The glory is the Shekinah. The glory is the transformation now. Not in the last day, but now. Peace now. Fulfillment now. Deliverance now. New life now. Vision now. Dreams now. The impossible now. 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 Get it in your heart. Now. Now. Somebody say now. 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 What are you believing for someday? Ask yourself that. What are you believing for someday? When God has called you to believe today. I'm of the belief that as we continue to wait, the less we believe, the less we expect. Because our fallen nature enables us to just exist. Lazarus rising from the grave represents that your situation, your life, can rise now. Your sins can be forgiven today. And Jesus is present. If Jesus is right here, Lord, why don't you heal me in 10 years? Please, Lord, heal me in 10 years. One day, Jesus, no, 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 I'm here Touch me now. Heal me now. Give me power now. Now. Come on. Point number three. Y'all good out there? All right. Praise God. Verse 43 through 44 says this. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, a lot of us in church, preachers probably preach that the grave clothes just fell off. It's not theologically right. It's good preaching, but it's not true. 
And they just fell off when he said, let, the, let it go. That's the old Southern preacher. But no, what happened was, they just, no, they didn't fall off. Jesus' disciples were with him. The application is this. If you're going to rise, and if you're going to be set free, it's not just going to be by the hand of Christ. You need a community, a church. So they had to unwrap him, and then they had to walk with him. All right, but that ain't what we came to talk about. Point number three, come out and live again. Come out and live again. On this Easter, God is saying, come out and live again. They, they say that uh, had Jesus just said, come out, that every dead body within this particular place would have came out. But he had to specifically say Lazarus. Why? Because he is the resurrection. When the resurrection speaks, everything has to, has to respond. So he had to specify Lazarus, come out. And so Lazarus stood up. These fine linen cloths were used to uh, bind the limbs and the body parts of, of, of dead people. So Lazarus wasn't like a mommy. He wasn't swathed. But they, they had his, his hands tied and his feet tied. Maybe later on they would have went back into the tomb and swathed him like a, a mummy in order to embalm his body, to keep the stench down. So he was still a freshly dead man. Um, there's a belief in Jewish society that existed that within the first three days, it was believed that the soul would hover around the tomb with the expectation and the hope of re-entering into the body. This explains why Jesus waited for four days. Because he wanted, it to be that, he wanted it to be that beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was him that was going to raise this man back to life. Not any superstition. Superstition, superstition and religion could never do it for you. Routine could never do it for you. Only the power of Jesus Christ can do it for your life. I believe that we have grave clothes. I believe that we have linens. Linens of despair. Someone in this room has lost hope. You've lost hope. Linens of despair. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I believe some of us have linens of fear. And it's easier to stay in something that's not healthy instead of taking a step of faith to see if God would show up. You're weighing the risk of danger more than the risk and the reward that comes with it. Linens of fear. God, God is trying to get you to step out on something. Like he did the father of our faith. Genesis 12, Abraham, leave your people. Go to a place where I will show you. You have to go before I show. Give me your heart. Give me your life. When you do that, I can show you. So now I'm speaking to the unbeliever. Let me speak to the believer because everyone doesn't have it together. You have areas of your life where God is calling you to step out, calling you to believe. Let go of the fear. Let go of the money. It's going to return. It's a universal law. Whatever you sow, that shall you reap. Let go of it. Let go of the home. Let go of the relationship. Let go. But until you do that, you will always be wrapped in a linen of fear that, that impedes your mobility. I think we also have linens of addiction. Linens of addiction. And it's not always as spiritual as we make it out to be. Yes, most addictions need practical help. 
but the power of God can set you free from any addiction. In a moment, we have linens of addiction. Linens, linens, linens. What is your linen? If you're writing notes, write your linens right now. Put those suckers on notice. Jesus is saying, come out and live again. Linens of a dysfunctional past. This was my family situation. This was how I was raised. This is how I was treated. This is what I did. I think we also have linens of self-condemnation. You're beating yourself. And the devil has taken a club and he's given it to you. And you're like, you're beating yourself. Linens of self-condemnation. Linens that were passed on to you that you had nothing to do with when you were born. Linens of a dysfunctional past. You're up. You're coming out. But you're not living. You're not thriving. Linens. 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 Write your linens. Put them on notice this morning. I remember when our oldest son, he broke his ankle in November of last year. And he, um, he had major surgery in his lower torso area. And a very painful experience. It was, it was tough. We, we had just moved here about five months prior to that. And... Uh, and it, it was very tough. So he had his surgery, very uh, painful recovery. And um, it's interesting because now today he's, he's better, he's stronger, and he's faster than ever. He's back to playing baseball. He's doing, he's doing quite all right. He's in the K through 5 uh, room back there in HL Kids. And uh, we, 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 we had to assist him to the bathroom and clean his wounds and Make sure we, we bathe them. You know, if you've ever had that experience, you totally understand. His leg had to be up so water wouldn't get in the cast and all this stuff. And he's totally fine now. But how, how did he heal? Here's, here's the point. How did he heal? He healed with our care, our prayers, and God's help. How is he living again with God's help? The word... Lazarus, or the name Lazarus, means this in the Greek. One who lives. Y'all too distracted right now. One who lives with God's help. Come out and live again. You can dream again with God's help. You can, you can live again with God's help, or you can live with the help of God. You can, you can go to different heights with God's help. You can be free with God's help. So Jesus, when he was talking to Lazarus, he says, come out with God's help because I'm present. You shall live again. Live again with God's help. Be healed with God's help. Don't fear with God's help. With God's help. Start a different thing in your family with God's help. It's with his help, his supernatural help. The word is dunamai, his power that only God can give. Your latter days will be greater than your former with God's help, Lazarus. And so to kind of wrap this up with Jesus Christ, he died on that Sunday, he rose, and he didn't rise for the end time. He rose for you today, for you today. And what I want you to do right now is just bow your head. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. 
We're going to put our linens on notice, our labels on notice. Father, we give you all the glory. Jesus, thank you for how great you are. Thank you that you are God and you lived a perfect life for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you died so that we don't have to. Thank you, Lord, that you rose so that we can rise. Thank you, Lord, that right now you're setting people free. You're giving us a fresh perspective and that lives will be changed in this room this morning. We look forward to what it is you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.